اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم لیسن نمبر 192 سورة الشعراء آیا نمبر 105 to 140 کذبت it denied قوم نوح the people of نوح علیہ السلام who did they deny المرسلین the messengers the people of نوح also denied the messengers when Nuh was sent to them. Earlier we learned about the story of Musa salam. Then we learned about Ibrahim salam. Now we look at the story of Nuh salam. Again, the focus should not be only on facts and figures, but mainly on the lessons, the ibar. They denied the messengers, whereas only one prophet was sent to them. Because denying one prophet is like denying all of them. And especially in the case of Nuh remember that Nuh was the first Rasul. Meaning it was the first time ever that mankind had deviated to such an extent that they had forgotten what the truth was, who really God was. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose Nuh to be a messenger. So when they denied the first messenger, what does it mean then? That even if a million messengers come after him, what would they do? Deny them all. So they denied the messengers, the prophets. And also, the plural over here has been used because Nuh did not do da'wah to his people just for 5 years or 10 years or 23 years or 50 years. How long was he with his people? 950 years. That is many lifetimes combined. It's as though many prophets were sent to them. in that time. But still, they did not believe, they rejected him. And then this is also honor for Nuh salam that Mursaleen is being used for him, that so important of a prophet he was, that when they denied him, it was as though they denied many messengers. What are we supposed to do? Believe in who? Which prophets? All of them. In Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 285, we learn, آمَنَ الرَّسُولُ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِ مِن رَبِّهِ والمؤمنون. The Prophet has believed and the believers have believed in what Allah has sent. كُلٌّ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُولِهِ They believe in who? In Allah, His angels, His books, and His messengers. All His messengers. لَا نُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِنْ رُسُولِهِ We do not differentiate between any of Allah's messengers. إِذْ قَالَ لَهُمْ What is the story of their denial? When he said to them, who said to them? Akhuhum, their brother. Who was their brother? Nuhun, Nuh alayhi salam. Their brother Nuh alayhi salam said to them, Ala tattaqoon? Do you not fear? Meaning, do you not have any fear of Allah? Nuh alayhi salam is described as their brother. Because the Prophet is one of the people. The Prophet of a people is one of them. Someone who has brotherly concern for his people. You know, just as you're concerned for your own sister, is that different from how you are concerned for a stranger? There's a huge difference. So the prophets of Allah, how were they to their people? It was as though every single one of their people was who? Their own brother. They had brotherly concern for their nations. And this also shows that a prophet was always from who? Among his nation. Especially Nuh a.s. he was from his nation. Not always, please correct that. Nuh a.s. was from his nation, meaning he was one of them. أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ He said to them, do you not fear? Fear who? Allah. 
Earlier we learned about the people of Fir'aun when they gathered the magicians and they also gathered people. They said, are you not going to gather together? Are you not going to do this? Aren't you going to do this? Why is it that we say this to people? That aren't you going to come? Aren't you coming? What does it mean? Come. Like it's obvious. Why shouldn't you come? What reason do you have for not coming? Aren't you going to eat? You know, for example, if four people are sitting at a restaurant and one person is not eating, aren't you going to eat? Why would you go to a restaurant if you're not eating? So, أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ It's something obvious. Do you not fear Allah? Meaning, how dare you associate partners with Him? How can you neglect His right? Why don't you fear Allah? You should fear Allah. I implore you to have fear of God. What do we see over here? Nuh a.s., the first messenger, all the way to the last messenger, Muhammad wasallam. What was the message of the prophets of Allah? What was it? The same. They all invited people to worship Allah. To fear Allah. In Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 21 also we learn, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ اُعْبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So what do we see? If all the prophets told people to fear Allah, what was the purpose of the prophets? Why were they sent? To remind people of their purpose in life. To remind people of their purpose in life. And taqwa of Allah. Why taqwa of Allah is emphasized? Because when a person recognizes Allah and fears Allah, then what will happen? Think about it. When a person fears Allah, knows Allah, recognizes Allah, then will that affect his actions? Is the heart sound? The heart is filled with taqwa of Allah. Will that heart be sound? Yes. Remember the definition the Prophet ﷺ gave for a clean heart? At-taqi. The God-fearing one. How? Because when a person fears Allah, then doing good will be easy. Keeping away from sin will also be easy. Then a person will be obedient, whether he's alone, in private, or in public, in school, or at home. Correct? Away from family, or with family. أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ Taqwa is the key. Fear of Allah is the key to islah. He said, إِنِّي لَكُمْ Indeed, I am for you Rasulun Amin, a messenger who is Amin, trustworthy. Amin from the root letters, Hamza Mim Noon, Amana. Amin is one who has Amana. What is Amana? Trustworthiness. That if something is deposited with you, you take care of it and then you also return it. Not that you don't take care of it and then you don't even return it. Because that is not Amana. So Amin meaning faithful, reliable, loyal, honest. Amun from the same root is used for a she-camel, such a she-camel, that is reliable. That the rider knows that this camel is not just going to stop in the middle and not move anymore. It has the strength to walk with my luggage. It's not going to leave me. It's a good camel. You know like your car, sometimes it gives you problems. Are you afraid to take it on a long trip? Are you? For sure you are. Why? Because it might stop in the middle, right? Something might happen, and then you're going to be in difficulty. So it's not reliable. So Amin is someone who is reliable. Why? Because of their honesty, because of their trustworthiness. 
So, Rasulun Amin, I am a trustworthy messenger, meaning in worldly matters and in delivering this message to you. Meaning, my previous life, you know it, full of amana. And in delivering this message also, I am conveying to you everything that Allah has sent towards you. Now the Prophet ﷺ, was he also Amin? Yes. He was Amin, yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasized in Surah Al-Ma'idah 67, that, يَا أَيُّهَا الرَّسُولُ بَلِّغْ مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ مِنْ رَبِّكَ O Prophet, O Messenger, convey whatever has been revealed to you from your Lord. وَإِن لَمْ تَفْعَلْ فَمَا بَلَّغْتَ رِسَالَتَهُ And if you don't do that, then you have not conveyed the message. You have not done your job correctly. So Rasulun Amin, meaning I don't keep anything to myself. Whatever Allah has told me to deliver to you, I'm delivering everything to you. I'm not hiding any knowledge. And this is something that we have to remember also. That sometimes the truth is changed. Or it is presented in a wrong way. Why? Just so that people like it. The truth is distorted just so that people accept it. That's not truth anymore. Parts of the Qur'an are concealed, they're hidden, they're never mentioned, they're not spoken of. Why? Because people are not going to like that. No. Trustworthiness is key. It's very important. فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ So fear Allah and obey me. Meaning, I fear Allah, I convey to you the messages of my Lord as they are. I do not add anything to it, I do not leave anything from it. I'm doing my job. What is your job? That you accept it, you fear Allah, and obey me. Why obey Nuh alayhi salam? Because he was a prophet who had been sent. And a prophet must be obeyed. In Surah An-Nisa, Ayah 64, Allah says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا We have not sent any messenger except that he should be obeyed. The messenger is to be obeyed. Nuh alayhi salam also said to his people, وَمَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ أَجْرٍ وَمَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ I do not ask you. عَلَيْهِ On it, meaning for this, for delivering the message to you, Min ajr, any ajr, any wage, any compensation, any payment. I don't demand anything from you in return. Why? Because in ajriya, in not ajriya, my reward. Illa except ala rabbil alamin upon the Lord of the worlds. I'm His worker, so He's going to pay me. I'm not your worker. You don't need to pay me. You don't need to give me anything. I'm working for Allah, so Allah will pay me. Isn't this a sign of someone's sincerity? Hmm? It is, right? Remember the magicians, what did they say to Fir'aun? What are you going to give us? Did Musa salam say that you have to give me something? Did he tell the Bani Israel that look, I'm going to rescue you, I'm going to save you? Now you better pay me. You better give me something in return. Did he demand anything in return? No. Even generally speaking, you know, if somebody says, how about I do this for you? What do you ask? What do you want? For example, if your sister comes and she starts cleaning your room, like, hey, stop, stop. No, no, I want to help you. What do you want? If your younger brother comes and starts pressing your feet, what do you want? Right? Because generally, generally speaking, whenever we do something for someone, we expect something in return. But the Prophets of Allah, they never expected anything in return. All they wanted was that people should accept this message. And besides, what does this mean? That the message I'm delivering to you, it's free. Because you don't have to pay me anything to receive this. It's free. 
So when it's free, what do you have to lose? Why don't you try? Why don't you accept it? You have nothing to lose. You know like, if there's something being given for free, like an app is free, and you can learn a language or something through that app, you are encouraged to get that app. And you're told, it's free. Like you're crazy if you don't take it. Isn't it? People look at you as if you're dumb. But still, you don't have it? That game? You don't have it? Why? It's free. We think that if something is free, we must take it. Free samples, who doesn't like them? Everybody likes them. Have you ever seen those people crowding around those individuals who are giving out free samples? Even if it's food, especially at Costco. And then you're wondering, hmm, is this halal? Is there any meat over here? What is it? Ingredients? Oh. You just had your breakfast, big breakfast. You're just going to go to a lunch party. Are you in need of eating a free sample? You're not in need of it. But just because it's free, what do we say? I have nothing to lose. So, in ajriya illa ala rabbil alameen, meaning why don't you take it? Why don't you take this message that I'm giving you? What do we see over here? So many prophets in the Qur'an when they're mentioned, this statement is also mentioned. That I don't expect anything from you. And this is something we need to remember also. Because the moment we start talking about the deen or helping someone learn the deen, we demand respect. We demand praise. Even indirectly we demand it. Or we expect that people should give us gifts and all of that. Indirectly, you know, it's, it's there in the back of our minds. Or when we're helping somebody, we hold certain expectations. Prophetic character is what? Don't expect anything in return. فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ So fear Allah and obey me. How many times taqwa has been mentioned? Several times. So it shows that Nuh over and over again, he told his people to fear Allah. And notice with the fear of Allah, obedience to the Messenger is also mentioned. Because both together are necessary. Fear of Allah means sincerity. Obedience to the Messenger means the methodology is correct. And when these two conditions are met, then a person's deeds are accepted. Now this was basically a summary of the message of Nuh What was the response of his people? Qalu, they said, Anu'minu, shall we believe laka for you? Meaning, shall we listen to you? Shall we accept what you're telling us? And He follows you. Who are your followers? Al-Ardhalun, the lowest people. How can we believe in you when your followers are the lowest amongst us? Ardhalun, plural of Ardhal, Ra, Dhal, Lam. And Ardhal meaning most Radil. Who is Radil? Someone who's very low, meaning doesn't really have much status. So Ardhalun meaning the lowest class of people, the scum of the people. Ardhalun is used for Someone who is dunam in kulli shay, meaning who is lesser than everybody, everything. Low in every way. So not worth any attention. Now first of all, calling people ardhaloon, what does that show? Extreme arrogance. Who are you to say that someone is very lowly? Who are we to say that? Can we say that about another person? No, we can't. Who is it that would judge people like this? Oh, this one is very lowly, and this one is yeah, very impressive. Who would say that? Someone who's very arrogant in themselves, and also very superficial. Hmm? And haughty. Now, 
they said that your followers are the poor so low meaning financially or physically meaning they're weak or intellectually they're weak minded or professionally their work is very despicable it's worthy of contempt your followers are the most inferior people amongst us why should we follow you o nuh and become like these inferior people we have to be different from them and for that we have to keep away from them and for that we have to avoid what they are doing so if they believe in you then we're going to disbelieve in you what is preventing them from haq arrogance and this is something that is so frightening because sadly we do something very similar that we judge people based on what their appearance the money that they make the education that they have or the beauty that they have you know just think of it like this when you go to a wedding when you go to a wedding who is it that you sit next to who is it that you give importance to which table will you sit at people that you know and even when we are at weddings constantly what are we doing this person looks good no old clothes i've seen those before hairstyle not that impressive those clothes ancient constantly we're judging people either their makeup or their hair or their clothes or their shoes or who they're sitting with and based on these things many times we will choose who we're going to talk to and who we're not going to talk to what does it show this is a sign of pride of arrogance even if somebody's wearing you know clothes from the 60s doesn't matter they're a human being look past who they appear to be so anu'minu laka wattaba'akal ardalun what was the response of nuh alayhi salam qala he said wama ilmi and what is my knowledge what do i know bima kanu ya'malun of what they used to do meaning i don't know about it about what they used to do and quite frankly I don't care. Nuh a.s. is basically saying that I don't care about their social status, about their level of intellect or whatever it is, their profession, the money they're making. I don't care about these things. I don't care. And even if I know, what difference does it make? Because I'm not someone who's to judge them. I'm just someone who's been sent to deliver a message. So wama ilmi what is my knowledge meaning what's the value of my knowledge bima kanu ya'malun of what these people used to do or what they do right now their profession the work they do or wama ilmi not is my knowledge meaning i don't know about it i don't care i don't pay attention to these things my knowing their sins or their actions doesn't make any difference now bima kanu ya'malun can be understood in two ways also bima kanu ya'malun their amal can refer to their deeds meaning their actions their sins and secondly it can also refer to the worldly work that they do their occupation their profession now many times people are looked down upon because of what their history their past sins or they're looked down upon because of the work that they do it's a dirty job hmm So Nuh alayhi salam is saying I don't care about their history about their sins about whatever they've been doing in the past why because in hisabuhum illa ala rabbi their hisab their accounting is only upon who my lord in not hisabuhum their hisab illa except ala rabbi on my lord meaning he will judge them now 
there's this incident we learn about Sulh Hudaybiyah. Remember the Prophet ﷺ, he left with his companions to do Umrah. He had a dream, so everybody got ready, they went to do Umrah. And the mushrikeen prevented them from entering. And the Prophet ﷺ changed the route into Makkah in order to avoid confrontation. And then the Muslims ended up in Hudaybiyah, they camped over there. So when the Muslims were camped in Hudaybiyah, several people from Makkah came. Or rather several outsiders came to resolve the situation so that there would be no battle in the sacred land. One of the people who came was Urwa. Urwa, he was from At-Ta'if. He came to resolve the situation. When he came, he sat in front of the Prophet ﷺ and constantly he was you know, holding the beard of the Prophet ﷺ, grabbing it. This was not out of disrespect. Rather, this was something understood in their culture that when you hold someone's beard or touch it, it's like you're showing we're equals. Alright? So while he was talking to the Prophet ﷺ, he would do that. Touch his beard. You know like when you're really frank with someone, what do you do? You touch them, pat them on the back or something. And when you're really professional with somebody, what do you do? You keep to yourself. So he was trying to be frank. Okay? So when he did that, somebody moved his hand away from the beard of the Prophet ﷺ with the sword. It's like, how dare you touch my Prophet? Keep your hand away. So when he looked up, that man, his face was covered. He said, who is that? And the people around, they said, Mughira. Mughira ibn Anhu was the nephew of Urwa. Now Urwa, he said, O treacherous one, I am still doing my best to prevent the evil consequences of your treachery. He's reminding him of his past sins, that you betrayed us and I'm still paying for it till today. And here you are, pushing my hand away from the Prophet So basically he's reminding Mughira anhu of his past mistakes. And Urwa also said to the Prophet that I only see people who are really despicable around you. That they don't have good records. There are people who have abandoned their tribes and someone who has abandoned his tribe, there's no good in him. So basically he's saying that you have Ardalun following you. Now what was the fault of Mughira radhiallahu anhu? Mughira radhiallahu anhu, he was a bandit, literally. He was a bandit. Right? He was someone who with his friends, they would go and rob caravans and kill people and take their money. And Urwa happened to be one of the elders of Ta'if. So what happened at one time, Mughira radhiallahu anhu, this was in the time of Jahiliyyah. All right? At one time, him and his friends, they basically attacked some people, killed them, took their money, and ran away. Now while they were hiding, Mughira radhiallahu anhu also found Islam. So he left everything and he went to Medina. When he went to Medina, he actually brought that money that he had stolen also with him. And the Prophet ﷺ said to him, I accept your Islam, but I don't accept this money that you brought. This is not right. Now because Mughira anhu had killed some people, Urwa being the uncle, what did he have to do? Pay the blood money. So Urwa was still paying the blood money. Now, yes, what Mughira anhu did was wrong. And the Prophet ﷺ did not accept his wrong. But remember that no matter who a person is, he is imperfect, yes he's committed sins, once he's changed, he's done tawbah, and he's trying to you know, amend his situation, we don't need to keep reminding them of their sins. We don't need to do that. So we see that the people of Nuh what did they do? They said that your followers are the most despicable people, people who don't have a good history. What does Nuh say? He says, I don't care about their history. 
It's got nothing to do with me. I only see them as who? As believers. And the fact is that no human being is perfect. It's possible that he's committed murder before, zina, whatever it is. It's history. And this is something that we need to remember also. When we look at people, look at them how they are now. Not how they were 20 years ago and the sins that they used to commit and now they have changed. You know, imagine the struggle that they're going through in order to change. And when you keep reminding them of their past mistakes, this is so horrible. It's so discouraging. So, Nuh said, وَمَا عِلْمِ بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ I don't care about what they used to do. And secondly, مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ also refers to their profession, meaning the work that they do. So, they're slaves or they're servants or they do all those dirty jobs, dirty work. Remember that TV show by Discovery Channel, Dirty Jobs or something like that? And that this person goes and he tries out every possible dirty job that's out there in the world that people don't like to do but it's got to be done. So we judge people by their profession also, don't we? Nuh is saying, I don't care about their profession. They are important to me because they are believers. What matters is their faith, not their background, their race, their profession, whatever it is. I don't care about their money, about their social status, about their history. Their faith has got nothing to do with them. And this is something we need to remember also. We keep you know, analyzing people according to their profession. They have value because they do such fancy work. This person doesn't have value because they work in a meat shop. Really? You know, sometimes you see, you go to a halal meat store and you see how people are treating, for instance, the butcher. How rudely they're talking to them sometimes. Or You know, I went to this meat store and it said, Something like, we close at 11, please do not insist afterwards. This other place I went to, no bargaining, this is not a flea market. It's sad. It's sad how we treat each other. Just because, you know, we're dealing with a Muslim on the other side, we think we can overpower them and, and demand a discount from them. Right? Just because that job is not very noble in our eyes. Would we say the same thing when we go to another store, a very fancy store, do you ever say to the doctors, for example, better give me a discount? No, you're not even paying for it, so why demand a discount? We don't do that. Like for example, if you happen to go to a very fancy hairdresser, non-Muslim, would you demand that they give you a discount? No, no. You don't even ask how much it's going to be. On the way out, and they say, oh, we're charging you $45 extra for putting the curtains for you. Honestly, they do that. Because they drew the curtains for you so that you could have your hair cut done. They'll charge you $45 extra, $50 extra. And you're willing to pay for that. But the same thing if it happens at a Muslim hairdresser's? No, not at all. So over here we see that Nuh is disregarding the profession of the people their social status and he is giving importance to them simply because of their iman and he says in hisabuhum illa ala rabbi law tash'urun if only you perceive meaning there is something quite basic I have not been sent to judge people Allah is the judge I am only to convey wama and not ana I bi taridil mu'mineen at all want to drive away the believers 
Tarid, one who does tard. And tard is to throw something far, thinking it to be despicable. So I'm not going to send the believers away. Because before me, they're believers. Their profession doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me whether they're garbage collectors, sewer inspectors, whatever dirty job they have to do, I don't care. And this is something we need to do also. Because Qur'an is for who? For all people. Regardless of the job that they do. In ana illa nadirum mubin, I am only a clear warner. This is who I am. Nuh salam or any other prophet. Remember, their first believers were who? The poor and the weak. Humble people. But with iman, their status became great. But in the eyes of the worldly people, they were very low. Because worldly people, they look down at the poor. Why? Because they're superficial. And they judge the level of others based on superficial matters. Iman is in the heart. And remember, iman is heavier than any treasure of this world. It's more valuable. Now what happened? From every prophet, it was demanded that he should remove these four people from his gathering. Did this happen with the Prophet ﷺ also? Yes. But did Allah allow that? Not at all. Because a person's value near Allah is not determined by how much wealth they have. Rather it is determined by what? By their taqwa. إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ The most honorable before Allah is who? The one who has most taqwa. So basically we learn two things from this. First of all, if someone is lesser than us in worldly terms, let's overlook their worldly deficiencies and appreciate the wealth of iman they have. Secondly, we see that if someone is lesser than us, even in religious matters, their history, their sins are being mentioned, right? So even in religious matters, if someone happens to be lesser than us, then what is it that we need to do at that time? We need to remember our deficiencies. And we must avoid passing judgment. We need to worry about the taqwa in our hearts and not constantly judge other people. Recently, Imam Suhaib Webb, he tweeted that nothing leads to slander and forbidden hatred of others like assumptions of piety and the allure of knowledge. Meaning we assume ourselves to be very pious, we're very proud of our knowledge, and because of that, what do we do? We start slandering other people, looking down at them. And he also said that once I sat with a brother and we were listening to a speaker. The brother told me, don't listen to him, he's not a scholar. So I turned to the brother and said he graduated from a prestigious religious institution and he studied with prominent scholars who recognized his knowledge. And the response, he is not a scholar, let's go. I asked the brother, what about you? What are your religious credentials? He got quiet, shy, and said, I study IT. I told him, well, it sounds like he is our scholar. I am still memorizing the Qur'an and studying education. You are an IT student and haven't studied at all. I'm staying. And this is something we need to remember also. Because, you see, righteous company, it is necessary. The Prophet ﷺ was told, وَاسْبِدْ نَفْسَكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَ Stay with those people. But it's sad that the moment we meet a religious person, we start thinking, are they listening to someone who has been refuted? Hmm? Where have they studied? A certain scholar, their name is mentioned. Who are they? Google, right away. Is so-and-so refuted? Have we been refuted? Seriously, that's what we need to worry about. Have we been refuted for our actions? 
For sure, we refute ourselves, don't we? For the wrong that we do. So we need to worry about ourselves. قَالُوا They said, لَإِن لَمْ تَنْتَهِ يَا نُوحِ They said, if you do not stop, O Nuh, لَتَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمَرْجُومِينَ Surely you will definitely be of those who are stoned. Meaning we're going to stone you to death. Similar response as Fir'aun. قَالَ رَبِّ إِنَّ قَوْمِي كَذَّبُونَ Nuh salam said, Oh my Lord, indeed my people have denied me. This is the character of the Messenger. When people annoy him, harm him, he complains to who? Allah. فَافْتَحْ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَهُمْ فَتْحَا فَافْتَحْ So judge بَيْنِي Between me وَبَيْنَهُمْ And between them فَتْحَا A judgment. فَتْحْ it's also used for decision because fath literally means to open something that is closed. So this matter, this is very confusing for people. Open it up. Meaning judge between us. So that the right is clarified from wrong. Wanajini and save me. Wamamma'iya and those who are with me. Minal mu'mineen of the believers. Save me and the believers who are with me. فَأَنْجَيْنَاهُ So we saved him. وَمَنْ مَعَهُ And whoever was with him. فِي الْفُلْكِ الْمَشْحُونِ In the ship that was مَشْحُونِ مَشْحُونِ This is a new word. شِينْ حَانُونَ شَحْن شَحْن is basically to load and fill up something. And it's used in particular for a ship that is laden with cargo and passengers. Filled with people. So the ship of Nuh how was it? Was it filled? For sure it was filled with what? Animals and people. Yes, there were many people, but for sure there were animals because he was told that he had to get how many animals? Pair of each type. Seriously, can you imagine two goats? Camels? Cows? I mean, that's a lot of animals. Allah saved them. Then we drowned. بَعْدُ الْبَاقِينَ بَعْدُ after الْبَاقِينَ The remaining ones. Plural of baqin. بَاقَافِيَا Meaning those who remained behind, who did not board the ship, they were drowned. Amongst them was also the son of Nuh whom he offered, believe, enter the ship. Come on. What did the son say? I'll go to the mountain. I'm not coming on the ship. He was drowned. Allah says, إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةِ Indeed, and that is a sign. There is a lesson that deserves attention. وَمَا كَانَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ But most of them were not believers. وَإِنَّ رَبَّكَ And indeed your Lord, لَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الرَّحِيمُ Surely He is the exalted in mind, the one who overpowers. He's not overpowered. He overcomes. He's not overcome. And He's also الرحيم, the merciful. He can punish all, but He only punishes those who are guilty. So what's the lesson in this? إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةِ What's the lesson in the story of Nuh salam? That those who remain in their arrogance and pride, thinking of them as very great, looking down on others, they only prevent themselves from goodness. What happened to the wealthy people in Nuh salam's nation? They didn't believe simply because of who? The poor people. Stuck in their arrogance. At the end, who was destroyed? Who was destroyed? The arrogant. Because they deprived themselves of khair. You know, for example, even if we are jealous of someone, who are we depriving? Ourselves. How? Because when we're jealous of someone, that means that we don't want good for them. And when we don't want good for them, that means we're not going to get good either. You know why? Because we are the average of five people that we interact with most. And if we are the average of the five people that we interact with the most, are all behind then what does that mean? We'll be behind. If one of them 
goes ahead in something good, then what does it mean? Very soon, we will also improve. And if we, out of our jealousy, want that they should be deprived, who are we depriving? Ourselves. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. كَذَّبَتْ قَوْمُ نُوحٍ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِذْ قَالَ لَهُمْ أَخُوهُمْ نُوحٌ أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ إِنِّي لَكُمْ رَسُولٌ أَمِينٌ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ وَمَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ أَجْرٍ إِنْ أَجْرِيَ إِلَّا عَلَى رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ قَالُوا أَنُؤْمِنُ لَكَ وَاتَّبَعَكَ الْأَرْذَلُونَ قَالَ وَمَا عِلْمِي بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ إِنْ حِسَابُهُمْ إِلَّا عَلَى رَبِّي لَوْ تَشْعُرُونَ وَمَا أَنَا بِطَارِدِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِنْ أَنَا إِلَّا نَذِيرٌ مُبِينٌ قَالُوا لَئِنْ لَمْ تَنْتَهِ يَا نُوحُ لَتَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمَرْجُومِينَ قال رب إن قومي كذبون فافتح بيني وبينهم فتحا ونجني ومن معي من المؤمنين فأنجيناه ومن معه في الفلك المشحون ثم أَغْرَقْنَا بَعْدُ الْبَاقِينَ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً وَمَا كَانَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ وَإِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الرَّحِيمُ